Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Welcome back. Are you ready for more of the Odyssey? I'm definitely enjoying rereading it. Book three starts with the sunrise and Telemachus's arrival at Pylos. Some 4,500 residents of that island are in the midst of a massive sacrifice to Poseidon, which is somewhat ironic given that Poseidon is the very god who is preventing the return of Odysseus. Telemachus hangs back on the ship, but still in her mentor disguise, Athena encourages him to go and talk to Nestor. She promises that he already knows what to say and then sets off towards the ceremony, and Telemachus hurries to catch up. The crowd calls out, inviting them to join the feasting. Pisistratos, one of Nestor's sons, catches them by the hand and leads them to where his family is seated. They sit next to Thrasymedes, Nestor's other son, and Nestor himself. And Pisistratos serves them food and wine, and he tells them that this is a feast of Poseidon, so they must pray to him. Athena makes a show of an invocation to her uncle, and then makes sure to grant the prayer herself. (laughs) Telemachus reiterates what Athena prayed for, then they all eat and drink. When everyone is sated, Nestor finally speaks. He asks who his guests are, and Telemachus answers. They're from Ithaca, but they are not here on Ithacan business. They're seeking news of his father, Odysseus. Nestor nods and then reminisces. You may remember from the Iliad that the man can talk. He speaks of the war and of the men who died, Big Ajax, Achilles, Patroclus, his own son, Antilochus. He tells Telemachus how much like his father he is. And then he tells of this fight between Agamemnon and Menelaus. Athena caused it. Um, Menelaus was ready to head straight back to Greece, but Agamemnon insisted they make a sacrifice to Athena. The brothers yelled and cursed and argued all night, keeping everyone awake. In the end, half of the army left with Menelaus, and the other half stayed with Agamemnon. Nestor was part of that first group, but Odysseus was among those that stayed with Agamemnon. Well, Diomedes left too, and Menelaus caught up with them at Lesbos. Uh, There the leaders debated which was the best route to take. Once the omens were favorable, they sailed on, Diomedes landing at Argos, and Nestor continuing on to Pylos. He had smooth sailing all the way. Well, as for the rest, he he can only share what he's heard, but... He sees no reason not to. Um, He hears that the Myrmidons returned under the leadership of Achilles' son. Oh, and Philoctetes came with them. Uh, Idomeneus returned home to Crete without losing a single man on the journey. And Agamemnon? Well, you already know what happened to Agamemnon. It's a good thing for a man to leave his son behind, Nestor tells Telemachus, because otherwise Agamemnon's murder would never have been avenged. Telemachus responds that he prays to the gods for assistance in avenging his home. Nestor nods. He's heard about the trouble on Ithaca. Yes, it will take assistance from the gods to deal with the suitors. Telemachus sighs. They can pray, but what good does it really do? Athena doesn't smack him upside the head. Um, He still thinks she's mentor, after all. But she does remind him that the gods are ever-present, despite the fact that even they are powerless to prevent a man's death when his appointed time comes. So, super helpful words from the goddess of wisdom. Telemachus shakes his head. There's no point pretending that Odysseus is coming home. If he were, he would be home by now. He turns to Nestor. There's one thing that's bothered him about the story of Agamemnon. If Menelaus left Troy first, why didn't he avenge his brother's death? Nestor answers with another lengthy story. 
yes, if Menelaus had gotten home first, he would have killed Aegisthus and left his body for the dogs. But you see, it was all Aegisthus' fault. Anyway, he courted Clytemnestra, and she rebuffed him. And she stayed faithful as long as she had good music to listen to. So Aegisthus banned her favorite minstrel by marooning the singer on a desert island, um, which does give kind of new meaning to desert island discs. Uh, okay, yeah. Anyway, all this while the Greeks were at Troy. Anyway, Nestor continues getting back to the point. Yes, he and Menelaus left Troy at the same time, and all was going well until Frontus, the steersman on Menelaus's ship, suddenly dropped dead. And Menelaus stopped to give the man all of the honors due him, which meant landing to give him a proper funeral. After that, Menelaus was blown off course. He wound up in Egypt, where he spent seven years, during which time his brother was murdered. And in the eighth year, Orestes avenged the murder, which is interesting because we don't usually see the number eight in Greek mythology like that. Um, but since Odysseus is currently doing our, our after nine, then the tenth thing, the Orestes story has to be less than that. Um, but now I'll get back to the point. Menelaus landed the day that Aegisthus and Clytemnestra were buried. Nestor urges Telemachus to go and talk to Menelaus himself. He's sure the red-haired king will be happy to tell his story. If you're thinking Nestor has talked a lot, you'd be right. The poet tells us that Nestor has been talking. As he's been talking, the sun has set. <laughs> it's just gone on and on and on. Athena, still in her mentor guise, thanks Nestor for his stories and advice, and then suggests that maybe they should finish the sacrifice to Poseidon and the rest of the gods so they can go to bed. <laughs> they do as suggested, and Athena and Telemachus head to their ship. Or at least they try to. Nestor insists that they stay with him instead of sleeping on their ship. Athena says that Telemachus will stay at the palace, but at least one grown-up needs to keep an eye on the crew. You know, someone has to chaperone, so she's going to stay on the ship. In the morning, she'll be off to deal with a debt owed to her. She tells Nestor to give Telemachus a chariot and a racing team, and then she turns into a hawk and flies off. Nestor blinks and then tells Telemachus that he clearly has nothing to worry about because Mentor obviously was a god in disguise. And then he cries out to Athena about how great she is and how he's going to make a really great sacrifice to her, which makes her smile. They finally go in and go to bed. In the morning, Nestor makes the promised sacrifice before giving Telemachus a chariot and team. With Pisistratus joining him as driver, Telemachus heads off to Sparta and the home of Menelaus. Athena is very present in book three. It's hard to decide how much she is responsible for Telemachus's actions. Um, that guise that she takes, that of mentor, is just what the name sounds like in English. That's what the name means. She is a guide, a mentor, a teacher. And good teachers don't force their students to do things. Um, they, they guide them. They let students try and do for themselves. Um, because that's how we learn, right? By trying. So while we saw a lot of near omnipotence in the Iliad, here in the Odyssey, we are seeing a lot more free will. 
And Athena really is amusing in this book. Um, you may recall that Athena and Poseidon are not exactly BFFs, so it is delightful that she makes a show of sacrificing to Poseidon, but really takes the sacrifice for herself. And I love how <laughs> I love how she says that she's going back to the ships before immediately turning into a bird and flying away. I mean, she doesn't even she, she makes no pretense of going to the ships other than saying, "I'm going back to the ship now." Oh yeah, here I'm a bird and I'm flying off. <laughs> so. Um, so it just makes me laugh. Anyway, but what book three uh, is primarily about is guest host relationships, memory, and grief. Um, Nestor, as I've said he's repeatedly, Nestor is a talker and a storyteller. Um, and he's a pretty good host. Uh, and Telemachus is a pretty good guest. Uh, and Athena flying off is a sign of why it's important to be a good host. You never know when your guest is going to be a god. We see this in mythology across the world. That's that's one of those, you know, um, you see it in the Old Testament of, of the Bible. You, it, it's, it's a very common theme of the mysterious guest who turns out to be some sort of angel or god or and then and then the host is rewarded for treating them well right um i've already talked a lot about guest host relationships but i haven't talked as much about memory and grief and we're going to see this as a through line um throughout the odyssey and after all odysseus has been gone already for nearly 20 years it has been nearly 10 years since he left troy all of those adventures that we have yet to read about chronologically in this epic they have already happened we'll hear about them when Odysseus shares his memories of them um now I don't know about your experiences of loss and grief um I mean I know who some of you are who are listening to this uh, but I'm also pretty sure I don't know all of you personally um so hopefully you have been fortunate enough not to have lost someone close to you yet um but it'll 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 happen it'll come we all eventually lose someone we love um memory and storytelling are important aspects of grief and living with grief and trust me grief is something that you live with it's not something that you get over your life grows around it um it becomes a smaller little piece of your life, but it is it is always there, and and there are moments that it suddenly gets big again. Um, and I think that maybe this is a reason that Nestor is such a storyteller. He has lived a long life. He is old, um, and he's seen a lot of his friends die, and now he keeps their memories alive by telling their stories and by talking and and that's part of how he lives with the grief of being an old man who has watched a lot of friends die so on that cheerful note (laughs) what are your thoughts now that we're through book three of the odyssey come and tell me over at the blog the link as always is in the show notes On Friday, we will have a short episode covering the single Homeric Hymn to Hera. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.